Welcome to the podcast, brother. Welcome to the podcast, brother. Uh, today, or no, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Fuck that up. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, brother. Welcome to the podcast, brother. I am Pierce Nahigian. I am the elder brother. I am Derek Hobson. I am the younger brother. And, and welcome this to... This is... No, this is... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, brother. Welcome to the podcast, brother. Today, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 13, Hearts and Minds of ABC's Lost. It first aired on January 12th, 2005. It was written by Carlton Cuse and Javier Grillo Marshaw and directed by Rod Holcomb. This, uh, so, huh, what, are, what to say about this episode? I, um, let's, uh, let's address the elephant in the room before you give me whether or not you liked it. Okay. How do you feel about incest? <laughs> you know what my main note on this was? was like, wow, this was like 12 years before the internet's what what would we call this? Fascination, uh, fetish, fetish for incest. Um, for those listening, uh, in the future, I guess. For the last, mm, I don't know, what will we say around three, four years, maybe. Um, incest has been like a big fetish thing all around the corners of the internet. Uh, I forget if Reddit or TV tropes or somewhere else coined the term wincest. <laughs> when, when you root for it or something. Yeah, I... Oh man, that's the thing that I remember... Obviously, it's the thing I remember the most about this episode. There's... We will get to it, but the scene where that happens, there is... I. All right, let's not, let's not do that first. Why do you... Why do you... You asked me. I think... I think it's... it's uh, I, let's start over. Um, <laughs> I feel like the first time I saw this episode, when they hook up, I wasn't really shocked. It was like, uh, but it was also like, oh, yeah, okay, that kind of, you kind of got that vibe from the two of them. Like, I don't know. I I felt like the episode was trying to shock me, and instead I was just like, eh, all right, that's, that's what you got. Like, okay. <laughs> like, we, <laughs> here, uh, here, uh, in the long, yeah, yeah, in the, in the, I guess that's it. I don't know. And so in, in Locke's episode, we get this incredible reveal that he was paralyzed and now he's not. In Jack's episode, we had this really emotional relationship between him and his father. With Claire, we have this really creepy premonition that, like, she has to be the one to raise her child. With Charlie, it's, he has this, you know, terrible drug addiction and this, you know, self-doubt. And Boone and Shannon are step-siblings that are kind of into each other. It's just like, I don't know. It feels like weak sauce. I'm realizing it didn't shock me either, but the reason is because I was watching this episode with you, and you were like, oh, you know, their relationship is not what you think it is. Or it was something to, <laughs> you gave enough of a hit where I'm like, are they dating? Like, um, <laughs> Because I, I agree with you. I, I did not. It did not shock me to find out that at least he's into her. Yeah. Which also leads me to a secondary point before we come around back to this again that I just want to throw out there and be thinking about, which is, is that the first time they had sex? 
I wasn't sure about this the first time around, but I get the impression that this is the first and only time they've ever hooked up because she comes to him in the, in the hotel room and saying like, you love me. You've always loved me. I know it. And the, the confrontation between the two of them in the hotel room, it's, it feels like the climax of something. So I, I think, yes, I think it is the first and it is the only time that they've ever hooked up. I think the whole point of Boone's of this episode for Boone seems to be he's always been hung up on his stepsister and he hasn't been able to get over it. And Locke helps him get over it. The episode frames it not as this is a love that's destined to be, but Boone needs to get over this crush he has on his stepsister. Yeah, I, I buy that. (laughs) I uh, literally up until this time, I always thought it was the first and only time. And I do feel they purposely leave it kind of vague because even like afterwards, which feels so awkward when she's fully dressed and he's still. That's my big, I I will, when we get there, I have that, that whole thing is, I would say that lowers this episode like a whole grade because it makes so little sense. It's so jarring. I, you know what? No, I'm going to talk about it now. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's, I hate this. Can I, and I, I was, this is the only thing I was waiting for when I was rewatching this episode. Cause I'm like, I remember this making no goddamn sense whatsoever. Okay. So this cut, so you hear her voice and she turns on the light. She has her clothes fully on, but her hair's a little like ruffled and she's, her makeup is smeared. She's sitting in a chair And Boone is shirtless. We presume he's naked. Okay. They cut to her turning on the light. We assume that they had sex, but he's unclothed. She has her clothes on and is sitting across the room, which means did she cross the room and get dressed in the dark? Did they just make out? Did she have sex with her clothes on? Is she wearing pants? What? It is such a bad transition it shouldn't be this way. It doesn't, it leaves so, I have so many questions and it's distracting to the point that I had to rewind the scene to hear what they were both saying because I'm just trying to figure out the mechanics of whatever kind of hookup they just had. I, I love how some stuff in this episode is intentionally left vague. D- oh, uh, all things except the, uh, the cop very clearly saying no blood relation (laughs) i was like oh i know where this is going i forgot (laughs) yeah that whole sequence like and given the emotionlessness and the kind of like stoicness of them both everything else in this is so routine i don't think this is the first time i don't i i i think it i think the episode presents it as though it's the first time and i will because shannon comes to him with this declaration of like i know that you're into me. I know you've always been into me. So why don't you just like act on it? Especially because I am absolutely broke and I need your help to get back to Los Angeles. <laughs> it's also very clear that like Shannon's feelings toward him seem much more ambivalent than his towards her. Yeah. Uh, he is very clearly hung up on her and she's basically using him to survive. You know, that's the part that, you know, we talk about, you know, incest on its, on its own is taboo. And well, uh, what am I saying? It's wrong. Uh, um, it's. I think it's why I don't. I don't want to pull at this thread too much because it does appear that that's the relationship. Is she's ambivalent and he's 
into her so much so that he leaves a perfectly solid Shannon substitute uh, to go I, to Australia. Yep. Yeah, um, I got that note as well. I was like, <laughs> I thought that was Shannon when the when the scene starts. I think the reason why it's doubly uncomfortable is because because the setup for this is she arrives at his doorstep drunk. I'm like, maybe this has happened before where she's arrived drunk, which obviously then consent isn't clear. And because of that, her ambivalence and his, it's like it not only gets into a place of incest, but could be kind of rapey in the past. That's um, true. But given how sober she seems after she turns on the light, I think the drunkenness may have been an act. Oh, uh, I do. I feel better about that. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I like, yeah. Okay. 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 Anyway, I just wanted to get that out in the open because I'm also a little bit like uh, being like, well, they're not related. But also like, yeah, it sounds like since they were like eight, they grew up together. Is Is that that right? I I wasn't sure. I I I, I don't I don't remember them mentioning it. I I know Boone. He says what age he's like, oh, mother and father got married when I was eight or ten or something like that. And I just like. It's weird and gross. And <laughs> it's, I think that is something that like at the time, well, they're, you know, I think the other thing too is like, well, they're actors, Derek, they're not related. <laughs> it's not like if they had Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal playing Boone and Shannon, <laughs> like, you know, then I'd be like, Ooh, no gross. Yeah. I, I definitely felt way more grossed out about this now. And may, maybe it is the, uh, Wincest fetishistic takeover. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't want to kink shame. I'm not good at it. You know what? If you, you do you. Fantasy isn't reality. I get it. So I just, here's what I can't say. I was surprised that of all the things, that's the thing that, that people are like, ooh, you know what's a great fantasy? This, this idea of convenience. Of, <laughs> That's what it is because it's because you don't have to do, you don't need anything complicated. You don't need chains. You don't need whips. You don't need costumes. It's just two people hanging out in a house being like, what are you doing? Step bro. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, it's the, it's the easiest fetish to act out. You just have to have two people who kind of, uh, who act familiar with each other. And it's like, what we should do this. I think, I think what bothers me about this, is that up until this point, Loss has thrown some shockers our way, but this feels like it's shock just meant for the sake of shock. Like, Loss has shown that it's been able to do lots of different kinds of stories, and I don't think that this is particularly interesting. I don't think it's particularly interesting. I don't think that it really gives us any more about... I think. I mean, I think it tells us more about Boone... Um, it tells us less about Shannon, in my opinion, um, yeah. other than the fact that, like, we thought that she was a spoiled rich girl, but it turns out she's been yeah. kind of deprived of any kind of uh, financial support. So, yeah, it, it tells us that. But the thing is, it it feels like the show's trying to, like, push a boundary, but it's not – it doesn't feel transgressive enough to really mean anything. Yeah, it would almost be like – it would be a different story if maybe – the flashback ended with 
him being more of like a puppy love kind of thing of like, and, and when we get back, maybe, maybe we could go to dinner. And if like, she to like get him to shut up is like, fine. Yeah. When we get back and like in her head or how she delivers it, just thinking like, as soon as we get back, I'm grabbing some cash and I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. You're right. I think it, it's more impactful if it's either unconsummated uh, like the like the scenario you laid out, or if they're both into each other, because then you have the drama of we want to be together, but we can't be. But this is like they hooked up once, and it's not going to happen again. This is one where I I really wish I could time travel back and and sort of analyze my own feelings about it, because the only thing I remembered about this episode is is that moment is the fact that the they the brother and sister hooked up. And then the second thing I remember is that there's a whole sequence with the monster that doesn't actually happen. Yeah, we'll get to that. In fact, actually, I think I guess it would be the opposite. I feel like we learned more about Shannon and less about Boone. Because yeah. the thing I liked about Boone was that he is he is trying to do good. So it makes his protectiveness over his sister, you know, seem like, oh yeah, it's just he's he wants to help, he just doesn't know how. But this makes it, I think that's what I didn't like, is that as far as his character goes, it slathers it in an unnecessary slime. <laughs> I'm like, I don't like this. Show me more Boone just hanging out at a country club playing tennis. I don't even know if I know how I feel about this. It just, maybe you're right. Maybe it is like, it feels like it's shock value for shock value's sake. Because I, you know, you had enough of a hook with, hey, Shannon's not actually rich. I, yeah, it's weird. I don't know, man. His 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 story is a weird one. Lostpedia informed me this is the only Boone centric episode. Is it really? It is the only one. I, I was thinking, like, where does this go from here? Nowhere. <laughs> Goes nowhere. I'm curious if the Boone character was always meant to be uh, just a one season character because Ian Summerholder at this point was the new hotness like he yeah he was everywhere for a little while and then promptly was not so yeah i'm curious if he signed on knowing that he was just going to do this for one season um and then he was going to be free up to do other stuff or if he wanted to be um and work because he does come back for flashbacks but you know he never cuts his hair because he has more important things to do (laughs) pierce what did you think of this episode you know generally i liked it I, I would not put it anywhere near uh, my top whatsoever. It's a fun day on the island episode. We get a lot of little stretches of just characters interacting. Once again, uh, from Lostpedia, apparently in the commentary, they mention how the scene where Locke talks to Saeed about the compass and then Saeed talks to Jack about the compass. turns out those were added because the scene, the episode was too short and they just had to add something in. <laughs> That's so funny because I actually really like those. Yeah, I like them as well because it's just it's just a little character moments that don't have to do with the overarching plot, but it's funny that they're they're just there. They're just scenes that are there. They did stick out. That is so interesting. So yeah, I um I didn't dislike it, but I think it it goes down as you know the the big thing of this episode is is the incest plot. Otherwise, fairly forgettable. I would play I would place it above House of the Rising Sun. And I would definitely place it above the Kate episode. Don't look at me. Look at the floor. (laughs) It was a fine episode. I always like to see the characters just interacting and just living on the island. I think that's neat. 
What did what did you think of this one? I wrote down it was a great lock episode. Um, <laughs> it kind of was. Yeah, I, I felt that the Boone stuff was fairly weak, but um, the lock stuff, we get so much more lock in this episode, I think, since Walkabout. I would say since the moth, because we get a lot of lock in the moth. At least we get like really, we don't get a lot of lock, but we get like Im- important beats with lock. This is basically like a retread of that episode, especially because we have Charlie mentioning yeah. that like Locke changed his life and he has absolute faith in him. And by the end of the episode, Boone goes from wanting to kill him to being even more devoted to him than he was at the beginning of the episode. That's what I I love is that like I I always thought of Locke as the archetypal sage old Morgan Freeman guy. <laughs> uh, I am here to offer advice. I've lived. I know about Walter Kripke and Michelangelo and blah blah blah. blah, blah. And it's like it's like oh okay I got your number. This was the first time watching this where, especially given that I've forgotten so much of this, Locke is genuinely diabolical in this episode. Mm-hmm. He is so manipulative. Everything that he does feels so freaking tactful. And it feels super intentional because I do love that Like they show Locke is a hunter, that he knows how to bait people because he sneaks up on Saeed, who's usually like a pretty aware person. Yeah. And he's like, whoa. And he's like, oh, sorry, let me just pretend that I'm an old man. I'm a weebolo. I'm totally <laughs> harmless. And it's like, you just snuck up on Saeed. You could have killed him. And we find out later that, like, oh, by the way, this is how you literally bonked him on the back of the head um, when mm. he was trying to call for help. Yeah, um, I hadn't even thought about that. That is definitely a clue. Uh, to, yeah, we oh, we totally dro- we've dropped that plot line. Uh, yeah! That's so funny. I, I had totally forgotten about that well that's the thing it's just he genuinely comes across this episode as someone who is evil i i really truly believe that and i think that's that's interesting because i so i feel like this episode once again like we've seen in previous episodes plays it up like oh Locke is actually sinister but by the end of the episode you go oh well we didn't understand what he was going for but it turns out he (laughs) was you know he had the right but you're you're saying that you came away from this episode not thinking that Locke was helping Boone so much as he was he has his own agenda and he's gonna he's yeah. gonna make it happen. Yeah. Well, because the only reason it seems like he pulls Boone off of Saeed is because he's like mm. Well, I mean that and he's like, I don't want Boone telling Shannon I worked in a box factory. That's gonna <laughs> destroy my persona. Um, but then the other thing is that he's like, I also don't want Saeed getting suspicious, which he will if Boone stays on him. And then, like, I even feel like him sitting out there, staring out at the ocean, flat out lying to Jack, saying, oh, I haven't seen Boone. He fucking baited Jack. He he absolutely was like, I could sneak up on this guy, but that's going to make him suspicious. Instead, I'm going to sit here and be the bait. And then he even, like, gives a hint of it. He's like, man, this is the greatest predator, blah, blah, blah. But the other thing, too, is that even his, his uh, story to Boone of, like, oh, yeah, Michelangelo's dad beat him and tied his arms together. And it's like, he literally does that to Boone. And it's like, you're going to show me the way into the hatch and here's how I'm going to beat it out of you. And it's like, especially knowing like Locke's father stuff, even though I know they haven't shown that stuff yet. Like, and then like even that scene with Charlie, it feels very much like, oh yeah, I trust him with my life. And it's like, oh shoot, he's quietly recruiting. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, it just, it feels diabolical. And uh, it's great. You you make a good point. (laughs) This is the John Locke that I fell in love with. 
in <laughs> the first season. Not because he's a good guy, but because he's a very competent guy. Like, he's always seems to be three steps ahead of everybody. And, you know, bit by bit, season by season, we go from this Locke who can lie to Jack without any problem whatsoever, just look him straight in the face and just be like, oh, I haven't seen him. I have, you know, no idea. A boar moving up the valley. To someone who's just screaming into the void, like, tell me what to do. I'm, I need, I, I don't know who I am. I don't know what's going on. It, just utterly lost. And, you know, and again, I get it. Like, it's, that's, that's his character is he, he starts off super assured and then, you know, completely loses his own faith. That's fine, but it's just, it's, he's so at peace on this island. Like, when he gives the compass to Saeed, it's like, I don't need it anymore. You believe him. Like, when, in the episode previous, when he told Boone it's about to rain, and then it rains, you truly get the sense that Locke is in tune with this island. He is one with this island, and he understands it, he he feels it. I don't know what it is specifically that, like, throws him out of that balance. I don't know why Locke thinks the hatch, which is, you know, very clearly man-made. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would expect him to denounce technology and industry and... Yeah, it's funny that the thing he ends up obsessing over is this very man-made structure. My reason for that, the the hatch doesn't fit with his idea of what the island is. So I think it's it's more that he's trying to explain to himself why this is here on the island, more than thinking that the island wants him to do anything with it. I don't know, but I I agree that it it his obsessiveness over this it it would be good to get his actual opinion rather than some vague story that he tells about it. Like it's, it's like I would love for him to trust somebody enough to be like. This is why this is weird to me and why I'm not going to tell anybody about it. He seems to think it's important that just they get in there. He doesn't want anybody else to have it. But it, yeah, it, there's something about it that doesn't feel quite right story-wise to me. Yeah. It is odd that this is the thing that captivates him. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. All right. Anyway. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. I, well, and sorry, like you, I, I, I'd put it in the middle somewhere. I think like even better than like something like Claire's episode, which although, you know, kind of creepy and whatnot, it's still kind of like, yeah. I mean, I do love Emily's alliterative lines of boar and banana, $5 an hour for fish and fry. Fish and fry. <laughs> uh, but uh, I just love that one. Uh, but like you said, I think the island stuff is real good. And yeah, it, it humanizes Shannon of all people a little bit. Absolutely. So. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, all right, all right, we can get into it. I'm ready. All right, we start on Boone's beautiful eye. He's watching Saeed with a covetous eye trained on Shannon. Saeed brought Shannon shoes, which is, you know, that's nice. Saeed's joke that her feet swelling is due to one of the island's mysterious properties is so lame and yet also very relatable it's like whenever you're like flirting with someone and like you're just trying to you're trying to just, you know, make them feel good and you just want to, you know, entertain them and, you know, you want to be funny and you want to put them at ease. And so you just say like whatever they say, you just say something and you like even after it comes out of your mouth, you're just like, oh, God, that was such a dumb thing to say. Why did I, why did I say <laughs> that? I just want them to like me. Um, 
And yeah, so Saeed, it's funny seeing Saeed just being like, like, oh, your feet are swelling. Like, oh, well, I guess it's because the island's magical, right? And it's, <laughs> it's funny to just see Saeed in that position to just say something stupid like that. I, um, I totally agree. This was a very endearing flirt moment. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm almost certain like. that the writers made it, tried to, tried to make it be charming. But the fact that it's stupid uh, makes it more charming. <laughs> Well, because, like, it, it's clear they're both trying, and she's like, oh, these are my size. I mean, they're not actually, but I see that you're trying. Yeah, her, she continues but, to be really enchanted by the fact that he likes her. Like, she, it doesn't seem like she's just manipulating him for the attention. She seems to be genuinely surprised and accepting of, like, it's like, you seem to be into me, and you're not the kind of guy who's into me. So I'm I'm accepting this. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it could have been our last conversation on this, too, but you really are warming me up to the idea of uh, Saeed and Shannon. Yeah. Uh, it's the one true pairing. Yeah, it's not even, like, an immediate attraction. First, he he used her, but then she also, you know, kind of appreciated that it's like, hey, he needs my skills. He's maybe the first person that's ever... Uh, yeah, and it's also, it's clear that, like, you know, now that he knows that the notes that Rousseau wrote down are just useless lyrics, they're still talking. They're still hanging out. It is cute. Yeah, so, so yeah, Boone's watching them being a creep. Hurley comes up and tells Boone they haven't had fresh boar in a week, and people are hungry. And you know, we soon learn that uh, by people are hungry, Hurley means absolutely <laughs> himself. We get our first flashback. Boone is having just finished a tennis match at the bougiest uh, place imaginable with a girl in his arm that looks, not coincidentally, exactly like Shannon. He gets a call from Shannon, who seems to be in an abusive relationship, and she's in Sydney, Australia. On the island, Boone tells Saeed to stay away from Shannon, and Saeed is visibly amused by this. Yeah. <laughs> I forget. What does he say? He's like, he's like, or what? Or what does he say? Yes, like, he says, you know where to find it? <laughs> he, no, yeah. He tells, Boone tells him to stay away from his sister. And Saeed just says, and what if I don't? And Boone has no follow-up. <laughs> he, has, he has nothing to say that. It's very clear that, I mean, this perfectly matches with everything we know about Boone. That he had it in his head that he was going to tell off Saeed and tell him to get lost. And when Saeed didn't immediately back down, Boone's reaction was a blank stare. <laughs> I love it. And Zaid is so like it's just the look on his face where he's not being disrespectful, but he's just sort of like, "What are you gonna do? You're done. Yeah. Got nothing." But yeah, so it's just kind of like, "Go on." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Log tells Boone not to fight with Saeed because they need him on their side, uh, which is ominous. He says the hatch is their priority, not hunting boar. Hurley has a doctor consult with Jack. Wait, real quick, uh, just because, like, this was a cinematography thing, and I'm wondering if you felt this way, too. As they're having that conversation, did you get that sensation of, like, Jason and the Argonauts? Uh, <laughs> or, like, even Tron. When, when they go across the stepping stones across the river, it almost looks like the way it's done, I assume they were probably shooting this on location. At, well, I know they were shooting it on location, but, like, as they're, like, the shot is, like, you know, from a distance, and you just see them, like stepping on these stones and like going across and i'm like why does this look fake i i, I did you have that moment at all or just me <laughs> i did not have that moment there is a very 
there is a great moment of uh, an actor tripping in a in a few scenes hence, but we'll we'll get there. Okay. Hurley has a uh, a private consultation with Jack. I noticed Jack is wearing the Halliburton key around his neck. It oh. took me a couple frames. I was like, is Jack wearing a necklace? What is that? And it's weird because like the key is like sticking like straight out, so like you can't. There's some angles where like you can't actually tell what it is. But that's he's wearing the the key around his neck, which makes sense because like. If you're in the jungle and you're wearing a bunch of ratty clothes, you put that in your pocket, there's a hole in your pocket, you're never getting that key back, ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even notice that, but that makes a ton of sense. And consistent with his character, who wore an ascot, but it was also his uh, face mask. Uh, so <laughs> he, he would put that around his neck. <laughs> Hurley confides that he's been eating exclusively fruit and he is just constantly shitting. Jack tells him to eat protein. Hurley says there's no boar. He says, well, what about fish? And he says Jin holds a serious grudge against him because he didn't eat sea urchin that one day. The leaf joke is funny. Uh, where Jack's like, you're not eating those, are you? And he's like, dude, these these aren't for eating. Again, Matthew Fox, I'm just always, I'm all up on Matthew Fox. I wish when he did Jack, more things. Yeah, when Jack is in a good mood, it's a good day. Yeah. I even love, because it feels so sincere. Like, it's actually, it, it feels so real. Mm-hmm. When Hurley does like say like, dude, these aren't for eating, and like, you know, it's like, excuse me, Jack, not being watched by Hurley, no longer engaged, and just like looks forward and just laughs to himself in a way that like he's not mocking the guy, he's not embarrassed, but he's just like, he seems genuinely enchanted by Hurley, like, yeah, and I love that. Jack's on and off modes are so vast, like the difference between them is so vast. Like when Jack is intense and demanding like where's claire where's his father all that stuff like he it seems like a genuine psychopath but when he's not that guy he's so pleasant it seems like it's like he's he just seems like he's having a great day on the island you know why because he gets to spend most of his time in the cave Uh, (laughs) jack creeps on kate she's like i know i could see you he's like i wasn't hiding and it's like you totally were jack you're lying she uh, takes him to the garden that Sun is building. Right here, when she is leading him here, Matthew Fox almost falls on his face. And when he oh. recovers, he smells. There is, it's very quick, uh, but they're, they're stepping down from like a little bit of a rise. And Kate steps down, no problem. And Jack right behind her, like he very clearly misses a step and almost like goes tumbling down. And the fact that he recovers himself, you see this smile on his face. And he keeps going. He's an utter professional. He keeps going with the line. But it is very clear like that that is not on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Kate tells Jack that maybe Locke is choosing not to hunt the boar. We get the scene with Locke and Boone. And Locke is mixing something for later. Locke's story about Michelangelo and David is very cool. Uh, I can find no sources to back it up. Michelangelo was uh, 26 uh, when he was commissioned to carve David. He was esta- he was an established sculptor already. So there was a there was a block. There was a very famous block in a quarry. Uh, it was an 18 foot block that had previously been worked on by two previous sculptors and had been abandoned for like 40 years or something. And the fact that I mean Michelangelo did carve it out of a solid block and it's it's, it's a phenomenal statue. It's one of the greatest statues of all time like i like objectively it's amazing the whole thing about like i maybe michelangelo's father did beat him but the the whole story about him like standing and just looking at the block for four months and like a visiting prince being like what are you doing that uh that that could be true but i i was not able in a in a quick 
online search, I, I found nothing uh, to to back that story up. Interesting. Yeah, but the thing is, we know that that does follow from what we know about Locke is that he will mix his metaphors and anecdotes about famous people, like the guy who climbed the uh, who climbed the mountain. Yeah, well, you are making me wonder because I know at the time I'm like, oh, well, it's probably just producer note, but like, yeah, I was curious if you had looked into this one mm-hmm. and hearing that, you know, if, if it's not obvious from a Google search, like, yeah, I mean, it it would be super in keeping with his character. Yeah. Yeah, and it could you know, be it could be a story in like a you know a, a a biography of Michelangelo that hasn't found its way online. So I'm not saying it's not true, but I just I could not find any verification. Yeah, no, I mean it's I'm not, I'm gonna try not to get ahead of myself because I'm sure there's gonna be many more lock. <laughs> what do you call it, proverbs? It's interesting that what is it? It's a trust but can't verify situation, mm-hmm. and um, on an island where there's no internet, no one to Fact check this anyway. Make all that shit up. I mean, it would it would be in keeping with his very much man of faith. Like, mm-hmm. I believe in all of this, <laughs> and none of it's true. But it is a good story, and it does it is a great uh, story. And it does make you know it it illustrates what what Locke is doing. He's trying to figure it out. Uh, how to how to get. Oh it. no! I I had the opposite. I I thought he's. He's trying to use Boone to figure it yeah. out. He's, uh, what I love, too, is that I forget how it ends exactly, but he's basically like figuring out how to open this hatch is the point. And then it cuts to the flashback and Boone's trying to open a door. And it's like, oh, and it felt <laughs> like it played on your uh, paving the way thing of like John Locke being like a John the Baptist of uh, mm-hmm. he's laying the road to, to get people to where he needs them to go. Yeah, no, you make a good point. Because he, he definitely is treating Boone like Michelangelo, and he's the abusive dad. <laughs> <laughs> or is he Michelangelo, and Boone is the block of marble? Oh. <laughs> so our next flashback, Boone arrives at Shannon's door. She acts like she doesn't know why he's there. She plays it off, but reveals a bruise on her head. Which was very faint. I had to rewind uh, to to make it out, but it's there. Back on the island, Hurley asks Jin to show him where the fish are. Back with Boone and Locke, Boone says that he has to tell Shannon about the hatch. He says she can keep a secret, and we know that she can. (laughs) And Locke knocks out Boone. More head trauma. He hits him so hard. It is a continuing trope that they use in this island, and it makes me uncomfortable Every time, uh, more so now than back then, I was just like, yeah, that's what you do. You hit somebody in the head, they fall asleep for a few hours, and then they wake up and everything's fine. But no, no. Medical experts have assured us time and time again, if you get hit on the head and you don't immediately get back up again, uh, you need to go to the hospital because there could be some serious damage going on there. The fact that Boone woke up after being tied up and also like, I think I'm the it's serious. It's serious. We need to stop putting this in TV shows and movies. Like, it's giving people the wrong impression. You can kill somebody that way. Really easy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Boone wakes up tied up. He sees Locke mixing more stuff, which is apparently some it has some antiseptic properties, but we find out much later it's actually a hallucinogen. He leaves Boone a knife and says the camp is four miles west, and we get another arc number there. Uh, four, uh, the first of the numbers. Uh, we, <laughs> we 
Did you, you like how Boone flinches when Locke throws the knife at him? Yeah. It's like, are you, you really think that he tie, he went to all the trouble of tying you up to then just throw a knife into you? Like, I he could have killed you while you were sleeping. Like, it's in character for Boone, but it's just, it's it's silly. <laughs> uh, we get the flashback with Boone in the police station. Uh, he's trying to report a, the abusive relationship that Shannon's in. The cop's being a dick. The most interesting part of this is that we see Sawyer being dragged through the station. I think this is the first time we see one of the island characters in somebody else's flashback. Is that right? Yeah, I yeah. I wrote that down. I thought this was the first one as well. And you know, I'm not counting if someone was at the airport. You know? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I and I totally agree. Like it does. Not only does it catch you off guard, but it definitely builds up that intrigue. And it's like a neat little one of those unanswered questions of like, oh yeah, we don't know how Sawyer wound up mm-hmm. in Australia. We hear uh, him talking about he's he had somebody's like he was giving a bottle back to somebody. It's it's funny too the way that like the audio mix there is really good because it you hear him coming like from like in the beginning and then he just completely takes over like the audio for this scene like it just completely overrides what Boone's thing is and you just see him dragged through there by a bunch of guys uh, it was it was well done I yeah yeah I loved that and I I feel like that's the first hint that hey maybe they're all connected in some mm-hmm. way yeah and you're right there is um. We do have in the Sun uh, episode where we see her, we see uh, Jack at the desk. But I, I agree. I don't think we, we need to count the, the airport flashbacks because obviously they were all at the airport. <laughs> uh, we learn uh, that Shannon was married once before. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if we ever come back to that plot point. And we establish that he is her stepbrother. Uh, I believe I believe no we already. Yeah, I think we I think they do mention that in a previous episode, but they do hammer it home here uh, to prepare you at the dock. He offers her boyfriend twenty five thousand dollars to leave her. We we know that this isn't the first time he's done this. Uh, the boyfriend asks for 50K and Boone pays it just Writes a check for fifty thousand dollars. You know, and, it's funny. You, you mentioned earlier the key on Jack's neck. This is the only time that a prop. Like stuck and Boone walks up, marches rather, up onto the dock to the boyfriend. The checkbook is just sticking so awkwardly out of his back pocket. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's like I appreciate that it's there, but it it does not belong there. It's very clear. Like, <laughs> his uh, his pockets were built for fashion, not for function. <laughs> back on the island, uh, Kate tells Son they've been on the island for three weeks. And how she finds out Sun can speak English is handled well. I actually really liked that. Kate makes a joke about, you know, wanting to explore Bali and being an island and, you know, be careful what you wish for. And Sun just, like, smirks. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It doesn't feel contrived. It's, it's not like this big moment where she suddenly has to, like, yell out and say, I can speak English. It's just this little, this little moment. And Kate notices it. And she's like, hey, you understand what I'm talking about. I think this this whole uh, and this is so freaking clever how they tie Sun and Jin into this episode who mm. previously have kind of been doing their own thing. Yeah, really um, been under the radar. I, I think it is so freaking clever because I I bet you part of it when they must have been brainstorming this episode of like having Kate find out is I wonder if they're like, oh, I mean, don't you think like the audience is going to like, like, how could anyone keep this hidden? But like. You've got that Hurley Jin parallel too of Hurley being like, even though they don't speak the language, and we've established 
no, no, this isn't a hidden, he knows English. He doesn't speak the language. There's clearly like a, no, we understand each other kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, having that parallel along with the, the son, Kate, one was also like, yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. I also feel like a little bit, like, I don't know if they had a mid-season break. I remember we, us talking about this last time. Like, I don't think they did mid-season breaks back then. This also feels like, I was realizing like, oh, this is the beginning of the end of the son, Michael. Is there something that, because I'm like, now that Kate knows, you don't need Michael. <laughs> like, Yeah, I I vaguely recall there is some little moment between the two of them when he gets on the raft. But that really is, that that, that plot line went nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> While fishing, Hurley steps on a sea urchin. He asks Chin to pee on it. <laughs> the scene was funny. Uh, <gasps> For, for those who are curious, uh, the Red Cross does not advocate peeing on sea urchin or jellyfish stings. Uh, use vinegar or salt water. Yeah, there's not enough ammonia in your urine. But mm-hmm. if you've got a group of like seven friends. <laughs> all, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, that is not real. And they have to all be related to you, too. <laughs> now, if not by blood, then by marriage. <laughs> um Said is uh, using a magnet to make an improvised compass. It's a uh, it's a nice little scene of Locke talking to Said. Uh, and then I wrote uh, I wrote here though why it's here I'm not sure. We learn Locke was a wee below. He tells Said he doesn't need his compass anymore. Okay, but do we? Because <laughs> I this is again, I feel this was tactical. I think Locke is trying to look more unassuming. So my question to you is a wee below real? Yes. Yes, I, I'm pretty oh. sure we below is real. All right. Uh, I thought I, he was I, just trying to be like, I wasn't even you know cool enough to be an Eagle Scout. I was a wee below. <laughs> no, I um I I, I I could look this up, but I'm ninety percent sure that we below is it's like a you know there's like Girl Scouts, but there's also brownies, and there's also there's a bunch of different flavors of. I was curious about it too because I was like. I, like I said, I distinctly got the impression this episode that Locke realizes that Boone is a liability. If he tells Shannon, hey, you don't need to worry about Locke. He worked in a box factory. It's like, oh, shit. This is like, <laughs> if people find out that I'm not a hunter, that's it. You really think so that's like, the thing that he's that he's worried about? Not the hatch, that it's he doesn't want people to know he worked in a box factory. Yeah, I, I mean, because his whole persona is this is built up, and he's being very tactical and strategic. And I even <laughs> felt like he probably wasn't a wee below, because I doubt that his parents would have let him join any extracurricular activities. But by calling himself a wee below, a weeb, he's making him, it's like a humble brag in a way, where on the one hand, He's telling Saeed this anecdote that's like, oh, I'm I'm not a threat. I'm just I'm just a nerd, just a weeb at heart. But at the same time, reinforcing the narrative of his persona because he's like, oh, no, I've been out in the wilderness learning knots. And, you know, <laughs> no, I've think, always been. A- <laughs> I, I think it fits that I think that Locke has probably always been obsessed with nature and, and getting out there that that tracks. And I also, I don't think necessarily that he would mind people knowing that he worked in a box factory because he, he gives that information away so freely to Boone. I do think that it, it does clash with the image of himself that he wants to project, but I don't know. I don't know that that's, that's something he wants to keep hidden. 
Because I, I, I almost think that the fact that he worked in a box factory and now he has become the man of his destiny or that he wanted to be is part of his own mythology. You know, and actually now that I think about it, I wonder too if it could be that he wants, maybe he did, maybe you're right, maybe it is that Boone is the stone. Because, yeah, I, <laughs> I totally just forgot until you were mentioning this of like, oh, I think he was always outdoorsy. And like, I was thinking about that line that Kate had of like, whatever I know about tracking or hunting, Locke knows more. And then I remember that Locke has a line of like, uh, Ethan knows a lot more about the stuff than I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing like, since the last person that, that Locke had as his protege was Ethan, I wonder if it is a little bit too like, I don't want another Ethan. I want to make sure this guy knows that I'm the one in charge. And uh, yeah, I don't, I, you know, t- yeah. all right. All right. Maybe he's not just trying to keep his uh, persona alive. So we cut back to Boone and he quote unquote hears Shannon uh, who says she's tied up too. And then he hears the mechanical roar of Smokey. He manages to cut himself free. Shannon does some of the best running I've seen on film, uh, which I was surprised by. I would think, given her build, that she would sort of be running like a flappy bird. And uh, there's a couple shots of her running where I'm like, oh, she looks like she actually knows how to run. So I just wanted to give I just wanted to give props. I think uh, there's a scene later on where she's running that is not quite so good. Um, she does kind of look like a flappy bird. But at least here, uh, she's she's going for it. Unless it's her stunt double and we are shooting her from behind. But uh, yeah, that's the kind of dumb shit that I pay attention to when I see people <laughs> running. I, I took no notes on this these island moments because it is filler. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. it sucks because it's actually like, it's really tense and it's, it's them being chased by the monster is always really fun, but none of this is real. And I know we've we've had previous conversations about if something's all a dream or if they're all in purgatory, why does it matter? And I've always argued that if it's a character-building moment, it does matter. But while it does impact Boone's character, the things that we think we're learning about the monster, like how it operates, we then learn, well, it, that was all just a figment of Boone's imagination. So anything that happens there involving the monster doesn't matter because that's not that's not the monster. It's what Boone thinks the monster is. They also weirdly linger on that moment in the trees where he's holding her and he has a knife. They like hold that shot for like a little long. I was like, man, this is just gotta make just that killing run time. time. Yep, yeah, I think that runtime was a short episode. It's a couple <laughs> shots there. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Also, because like he's also like grabbing for her and moving wildly. Like that is that is a knife. It is a very sharp knife. Like, he would have cut her multiple times if he's just, like, groping wildly like that. Although, what are you going to do with that knife, Boone? You're not going to fight Smokey with that. <laughs> so while they're hiding in the copse of trees, uh, Saeed shows Jack the compass and that magnetic north doesn't match up with true north. Uh, Saeed says the magnet is defective, but we know the island does have a major magnetic property. And doesn't Saeed kind of back it off a little bit where he's like, I'm because I well no at the end he says something he's like he's like I'm gonna go head north or what I think is north because mm-hmm. um, I feel like this has been Saeed ever since coming back from the Whispering Woods uh, where yeah he's a little bit like I don't think I know anything yeah <laughs> like, like this island is weird and I don't know I don't know what's what anymore but yeah it's uh, he says that a uh, a magnetic a minor magnetic anomaly would account for a couple degrees but not something that's super 
super off like that. But we we come to learn uh, in in seasons uh, in seasons of the future that the island is just one giant electromagnetic anomaly and is also magic. So there's that. Uh, Boone comes to Shannon's house to get her out of there, but he discovers that she and Brian scammed him. It was a scam. Uh, Shannon is trying to get back the money that her stepmother has taken from her father. It's money she feels she is owed. Uh, we find out that this has happened previously. Every time Boone has written a check to one of her sleazy boyfriends, it's really so that she can get the money back for herself. And really makes you feel for Shannon, actually. I think originally I was more like, oh, man, so Shannon's just been scamming him all this time? Like, But no, you were like, well, this poor woman. That- yeah, well, and then... I'm inclined to imagine that these uh, guys who not all of them give her the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a lot of them. Yeah. Probably are like, Oh, actually, because also how would she even know how much money she's going to get? Like for all she knows, maybe she's like, Oh yeah. Usually pays my boyfriend's $5,000 and like probably know the Australian guy. He's like 25. She was said five, uh, 50. Like <laughs> how, how high can we go here? That's then that's the scene. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> Jack goes uh, to talk to Locke. They sit. It's a nice moment. Uh, Locke tells Jack that the boar are migrating out of the valley. Now, this seems to be a lie, but I realize that this actually, he could be telling Jack the reason he's not hunting the boar is because they're migrating out of the valley to just say that's why he's not getting any boar. But I also realize he could also be telling the truth about this. They're ag- the boar might actually be migrating out of the valley. I hadn't thought of that. I thought he was doing this to plant the seed because Locke, of all people, has seen Crazy Eyes Jack. And uh, he knows, like, when he didn't listen to Claire, she wound up abducted, and it made Jack irrational and quite possibly easy to manipulate. Mm-hmm. So I viewed this as Locke being uh, tactically manipulative, and it's like, I'm going to plant the seed of, hey, why would we want to get rescued? We got to go deeper into the island. Yeah, I thought about that too. That maybe he's trying to get Jack to to go deeper into the island. It seemed like in you know in early episodes when Saeed's going to go on his trip, that with Saeed by himself, we were going to get a, a sense of how big the island was and you know you know just exactly what we're dealing with. And that that lasts all of an episode. We have no idea about the size of the island, you know, how what the what the rest of the ter- terrain looks like. And I realize that's on purpose. Like they don't want to reveal too much about the island so that they've got more for, you know, future episodes. I don't think it's something we ever really learn is how big the island is. Now maybe we do, and I've forgotten. No, I, I think you're right. And it's a bummer too, because I remember season three when it's like, Well, we're not even on your island. I'm like, God damn it. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Son tells Kate she can't tell Jin she speaks English because she loves him. And I am sad to say this makes way more sense now to me than it did back then. Now a middle-aged married man uh, and father of two, uh, I'm 100% on, on Sun's side. I was like, no, if you love somebody, you tell them exactly nothing. My example of this is uh, I remember I was living in San Mateo. We were married, and there was a massive brown spider in uh, in the bathroom. And I promptly crushed it, mm-hmm. uh, flushed it, and um, 
uh, Millie's like, what, what kind of a spider was that? And I'm like, um, I don't know. And so I started looking up like, I, don't, I should have taken a picture, but I'm like going through. I remember at the time feeling with some 95% confidence, it was a brown mercuse. Recluse. I was like, if I say that this is what I think it is, and I can't verify it now, she's not going to sleep tonight. Uh-huh. Yep. And I'm like, there's a solid chance we break our lease and we go live somewhere else <laughs> because that can't happen. So I just said, probably a garden spider. <laughs> and I was vigilant. I made sure to always be like checking out the house. I'm like, if I see one, I'm going to take a picture. Never saw another one that looked like that. But um, to me, that is an example of loving someone so much that they don't need to know the truth. Yep. Add us in the comments uh, to tell us how we're wrong. Uh, <laughs> but we're not. Um, so... <laughs> so we go back to Jin and Hurley, and I thought Jin was making Hurley, like, something to put on his foot. So Hurley, like, st- gets stabbed with this sea urchin, and Jin just gives him something to eat, which, okay. Um, he promptly barfs it up. He also yells at him that there's a rumor that he speaks English, tells him his wife's hot. That was all very funny. Um, <laughs> some good acting from from Daniel Day Kim there. Jack gives Charlie some aspirin for the, uh, you know, the heroin withdrawal. That was also a very cute moment when he's like, do you mean my week two of heroin patrol? Or do you mean getting abducted? And it's like, well, I, I gave you the aspirin for the heroin. Like, obviously I'm asking about Claire. What's, <laughs> yeah, what's funny is that I had originally written down, okay, Jack's giving Charlie medicine for something. It's either recovery for, you know, almost being choked to death uh, or for the heroin withdrawal. I guess, you know, it's just one of those background things. And then it, immediately afterwards, Charlie goes like, oh, with the heroin? And he's like, I gave you the aspirin for the heroin, Charlie. It's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll erase those notes. Jack talks about Locke. Charlie says that he has absolute faith in John Locke to save us all. And then there's a nice scene in the caves of the small community there. We go from Michael watching his son play with Vincent and Hurley saying it's awesome that Michael got his luggage. Jin bringing Hurley a fish. Son chatting happily with Jin. Jack giving Kate some guava seeds, and it's nice. The caves don't look any more real, but <laughs> it is nice to see people getting along. Boone tells Shannon that Locke is smart. Um, this is still his his uh, phantasmagoria. Shannon, Smokey pulls up a tree, which is a good jump scare. I rewound it a couple times to see it is a CG tree between them, but you can't really tell. And uh, when it, it just gets rips out of the ground, what pisses me off? So this is Boone's imagination that Smokey rips up a tree. But then I believe in like later episodes, Smokey does rip up trees. So Boone imagines that that this, but whatever the monster is, is big enough to rip up a tree. But then we found out, oh, it actually does rip up trees. It doesn't. Well, it doesn't I still make sense. think it because they're still playing with like, is it real or is it hallucination? And it's entirely possible that it's not a hallucination. And Smokey's also pretending to be Shannon. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, and now you've put that in my head. Because uh, we never see Smokey and Shannon in the same... <sighs> see, this is the bullshit that we have to deal with, having seen this show. Because uh, cause Locke does seem surprised when like Boone tells him all this stuff. He's like, is that what it made you see? Yeah, we know that Locke at least has looked into the heart of the island, and he trusts Smokey, so like he'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Maybe right, well... There's a good shot of Shannon getting picked up and spun around uh, by Smokey. It's a good, her like feet just like leave the ground, and then you see her just going. Woo, 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 woo. It's uh, it's terrifying. We got our last flashback. Shannon comes to Boone in his hotel room, 
says Brian took the money. And then I wrote, so they start making out. And then, yeah, I, I've already ranted about this before, but the, the cut from them making out to her being by the, the light, it infuriates me. It is such a bad transition because all it does is make me question what the hell is going. Like, did she get dressed? Did she have sex with her clothes on? Why does he not have his clothes on? I'm going to blame the director, I guess. Well, I don't know. And- Somebody deserve blame for this. It's interesting just because this episode, it, it's hard to tell who's lying. Because <laughs> I, I even think the whole idea, and I think it's brilliant that they never show us Boone and Shannon's parents. I feel like if you did show them in this episode, mm. you may immediately start having your own assumptions of like, oh, she she's a gold digger. But like, what's interesting about having two sides to this is that like Boone seems to at least think that his mom is this wealthy titan of matrimony like do you know who my mother is like no boone nobody nobody's paying that much attention to bridal costumery well that's why like it's interesting because it's like is she actually a titan and therefore not a gold digger and shannon's just being a spoiled brat i think if boone casually write a check for 50k and isn't doing it to you know bounce the check uh, yeah, I think I think we it's safe to say that she is. But go on. If he's grossly overpaid. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, no. And underqualified. Yeah, Boone is. Yeah, that is. There is nothing about Boone that is qualified alone uh, to be that. It is. It is clearly just his his mommy owns the company and she gave him a, a little branch to to run as his own. Boone finds Shannon chomped up in the river, dead. He finds Locke later that night and attacks him. Locke asks Boone why there's no blood on him if Shannon is dead and then points out that Shannon is, in fact, fine. He, it, the show leaves it extremely vague what sort of substance he used. Um, I believe the substance he used is TV bullshit. Um, <laughs> Boone says he felt relieved uh, when he thought Shannon was dead. And Locke says it's time to let go. So, as we mentioned before, this is another episode that sort of sets it up like, what is this guy Locke all about? And in the end, it's, you know, as we both said, like, there's some stuff there that's not so good. He clearly has his own agenda, but there's some stuff where, even though it might have been serving his own agenda, he did get Boone to confront, you know, something he'd clearly been wrestling with for a long time. Well, that's why I I really do think it was a masterful Locke episode, because he asks... Boone, what did you feel when you thought your sister was dead? Mm-hmm. He's like, relief. And he's like, oh, good. Let your hate flow through <laughs> you. You know, like it feels like a very sinister. Uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's it's not so much Locke saying like, you'd be better off with your sister dead. It's more that when Boone didn't think he had to worry about his sister anymore, that's what he felt the relief. It is, well, especially because the final line of the episode is Locke saying, follow me. Oh, yeah. And Boone takes a moment, and then he follows him. It's very symbolic. It is, it's almost too on the nose, but I think it's good. You start off the episode with Boone questioning Locke and saying, no, I'm going to tell Shannon. I'm not going to keep this secret. And in the end, he is absolutely, he has become the Sith apprentice uh, to the Emperor. It's... uh, (laughs) The only other note I have for this episode is that Locke is totally using this psychedelic stuff recreationally. (laughs) 
you know what? I, I actually, I didn't even make a note of this, but I'm realizing we kind of glossed over it. So I'll mention it. Michael's terrible. <laughs> and it's, it's worse knowing that he's right to tell his son, Hey, I don't want you hanging out with that guy. If he's also like using psychedelics. <laughs> I'm like, man, is Michael right here? He's right for the wrong reasons. Um, but um, the Michael moment, this episode is good. He has like a box that he's holding and he starts to like well up and he, then he looks at it while running through the woods and he like, you know, he gets like a lip quiver and it's like, what the, there's so much emotion in it. And, um, and I was like, damn, I think, I think he's got, he's, yeah, there is an actor in here. He's just buried <laughs> underneath bad writing. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, I mean, that's hearts and minds. It was, um, it was okay. Okay.